Welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm Lance Armstrong, your host. Every week I'm your host. Uh, how's everybody doing? We, um, we uh, like I said last week or maybe the last couple of weeks, we were, we've been in Hawaii, or we were, I should say. We were in Hawaii for the holidays, and uh, which you get a little spoiled there, as you can imagine. The weather's just about perfect, so we re-entered real life, the real world here in Austin. And uh, so I go from, you know, mid-80s and perfect to to 20s and 30s when we got back. It was absolutely miserable. Um, So that was was quite the shock. Uh, Hey, like I say every week, any questions or concerns or or whatever, uh, send me a note, the forward podcast back up. I, I am going to change this, this email address at some point and shorten it for y'all. Sorry, but I still, I just haven't, haven't gotten around to doing it yet. So send me an email here, the forward podcast at we do sport.com. We do is W E D U and sport is singular. The forward podcast at we do sport.com been getting more and more emails. So, um, I greatly appreciate it. One funny thing is that um, and this is for no uh, particular reason. It's not, um, you know, the, the guests that I've had on here are people that I find interesting. It, it Most of them that have any political um, affiliation have been Democrats. So I get a lot of emails from uh, from the other side complaining about that. Fair enough. I got it. Um, but like I try to say every week, I'm not trying to pick a side here, but for all you conservatives and all you Republicans and all of you Donald Trump supporters out there, my guest this week is one of the biggest Donald Trump supporters, um, in the country. So you will be pleased to hear him talk. Let's just get to it. My, my guest this week is Bob Parsons, who was the, uh, the founder of GoDaddy, um, but had many, many businesses. I'll get to his bio in just a second here. One thing I want to say, I know it's, it's we're wrapping up college football season. Uh, going to be really interesting. I had a, a, a conversation when I was in Hawaii. I ran into um, Harris Barton, who was played for the 49ers and won three Super Bowls. Um, by the way, I probably should have done a podcast with him. He had some great stories. But I, I, I asked him, I said, do you think Alabama could beat the Cleveland Browns? Because I don't know. I mean, my guess is, the, I don't know anything about football, but my guess is they could maybe get close. Um, he had an interesting view. He thought, you know, there's, it'd be very, very difficult for any college team to beat any pro team, regardless how good the college team was or how bad the pro team was. But um, I don't know. Big game uh, coming up. So we'll see who wins. Uh, okay, on to Bob Parsons. So, so Bob as I mentioned a second ago, started GoDaddy, but he had, um, he's kind of a serial entrepreneur. He had um, a technology company before that called Parsons Technology, almost blew through the dough trying to get GoDaddy started, and it finally worked. But he didn't stop there. I mean, he made a lot of money with GoDaddy and certainly made a reputation for himself, which is, is very is pretty colorful. Um but he's also the largest, uh, for example, the largest Harley Davidson dealer in the world. Loves motorcycles. The other thing he loves is golf, which is a real shared passion of ours. 
Um, so he went out and founded uh, a golf company called PXG, which stands for Parsons Extreme Golf. Um, full disclosure, I play his clubs. I love his clubs. Um, and uh, he's a golf fanatic. So he started PXG. Um, he has a golf course in, in Scottsdale called Scottsdale National. Uh, but he's a wild dude. So, you know, this guy is rough and gruff and he'll say anything. That's the reason I wanted to talk to him. But his story is is not only one of uh, of success um, and, and generating a lot of uh, wealth for himself, but there's a side to him that we get into that not many people know, a very charitable person. Um, and, and also, too, very controversial uh, for his political views, for his, he's done some big game hunting, which uh, really disturbed a lot of people. And I, I have to be honest, I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm not a fan of that. So, uh, but uh, I hope you enjoy. Um, again, GoDaddy founder Bob Parsons, sit back and uh, hold on for this one. Parsons, thanks for being here. Good to be here, Lance. Thanks for being on The Forward. This this podcast is called The Forward. All right, okay. Well, yeah. I'm here, man. Yeah. So it, I, read about, I read about your upbringing, and I read that, and I quote you, that you grew up poorer than a church mouse. Is that true? I mean, is that, was it that rough, or was it? Yeah, I mean, I grew up pretty much poor as a church mouse. So I grew up uh, in Baltimore uh, in a blue-collar neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, mom and dad were, I mean, I wouldn't trade them for any other parents, but they were, they were gamblers. And, uh, when you're gamblers, you don't have much money. Now, when we say gamblers or when you say gamblers, you mean like poker or or just whatever, just gamble on anything, anything, uh, horses, you know, Maryland, a big state for that, Mm. uh, uh, numbers, cards, whatever. And so, uh, so what they did is, you know, they, they, uh, pl- loved the games of chance and whenever they had any extra money, that's where it went. Yep. And sometimes it wasn't the extra money. It was any money. Yeah. So I grew up, uh, me and my brother and my sister, we grew up, uh, pretty much, uh, without much cash. Right. Right. So this is not probably not, or maybe it is the, a good time to talk about all that money you took off me yesterday on the golf course. <laughs> Well, got to get your money somehow, Lance. Let me. I want my. I. I, I want my rematch. Well, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> I. I learned a lot about you yesterday without without riding in the cart with you or without, uh, you know, quizzing you because I knew that we would talk today. But uh, you, your energy and your drive is so clear and apparent, and and uh, you know, and then of course just reading about your life and prep for this. I mean, you've had a crazy run, man. I mean, think about, and that's the reason I talk about growing up the way you grew up, because, you know, if people looked at your life now, and as comfortable as it seemingly is, dude, that's a hell of a story. So whether it's, you know, growing up poor, going to Vietnam, coming back, going back to school, starting your first business, starting GoDaddy. There you go. Quite a run. But you left out one thing big. I left out I left out a bunch of things. The pivot. And I'll tell you what the pivot was, the United States Marine Corps. Yeah. You know, when I when I grew up, 
I was a terrible student, failed the fifth grade, never really did much more than enough to get by in, yeah. in, in any grade. Mm-hmm. But I failed the fifth grade, and, and because of a fluke, an administrative fluke, I was able to go into the sixth grade with fourth grade skills, didn't have to repeat it. When I was in high school, I was failing most every subject in my senior year. Mm-hmm. The only reason I graduated is I had a couple buddies come by, and this was in 1968 in gym, and tell me they were going to see the Marine Corps recruiter. So would I be interested in going down there with him? So I did. And when I got down there, we were pretty much in awe of everything he had to tell us. So we all, he said to us, you know, if you men want, I'll, I'll try to get you in. Yeah. And so we all signed up. I was 17 at the time. I had to get my mother to sign the paper. She did. And so we all joined the Marine Corps then on a buddy plan. And when I got my orders, I showed it to all my high school teachers. They all passed me. The trick. So I guess I owed a Marine Corps my high school diploma for sure. But when I went into the Marine Corps, uh, went through training, and I, I come out of that, I was a change guy. And then I went to Vietnam. I was with a rifle company. Then I came back. And when I came back, I was a different guy. I you know, after a, a stint of working in, in, in steel mills and stuff like that, I went to college. And in college, I graduated magna cum laude. I'd have never done that without the Marine Corps. So anyhow, the, the whole thing in my life, the big thing where I made the, the U-turn, United States Marine Corps. Yeah. Well, you left out an important part. You left out the part about getting shot in Vietnam. You left out the part about the Purple Heart. You left out. You left out. That's a pretty big part. Yeah, I was in, you know, actually, actually never got shot, hit a tripwire uh-huh. walking on a point team. And that was, uh, that was, that was something, but, uh, did get a purple heart and, you know, had all that happen, but yeah, yeah. I want to, uh, speaking of the, uh, and you didn't tell me this and I didn't read this, but we played yesterday with our mutual friend Curtis and, and I want, I want to hear the story if there's anything to it, but he mentioned, cause we, he and I were just talking about performance and investments and the you know the the, the best that, that a, a person can be physically and mentally and he mentioned something to me about something that you've invested in and worked on in and around post-traumatic stress and some new technology i don't know if you're able to talk about that but some new technology and he tried to explain it to me and i was fucking clueless um but something that has some miraculous success rate it does. It does. It's the the name of the firm is, and I'm not an investor. Hmm. Uh, at least at this juncture, I'm not. Right. It's called uh, Brain State Technologies. It's located in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, when I came back from Vietnam, I came back. I was in combat for a month, yeah. and and uh, it was pretty intense. Pretty intense month for me. And when I came back, I had hand tremors. I never had hand tremors in my life. But I had pretty serious hand tremors. I, uh, as uh, and I'm sorry, you're how old at the time? Uh, nineteen. So nineteen and hand tremors aren't. Yeah, that's not nineteen. Normal. Came back, uh, had all the things associated with PTSD, and 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 one of the things is you never feel like, quite feel like you belong wherever you're at. Uh, when you're in social situations, first you try to avoid them. Uh, you, you you and and if you're there, you want to get out early and and. And, and, it, and it goes on beyond that. Mm. But anyhow, I had all that. 
and had it had, and just dealt with it as as just a matter of fact mm. until several months ago when I found out about this firm and I went to see them and what they do Lance is they put these sensors on your frontal lobe and your 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 temporal lobes and they they pick up brain frequencies and the brain frequencies they pick up um they, they, I think it's 48 different frequencies they they run these through a computer and the computer on pretty much a real time basis replaces each frequency with a musical note and as as you listen to these through earbuds when you're in a recliner uh, treatment lasts for about 2 hours it sounds like somebody's playing music at random hmm. and but what happens is is your brain instantly recognizes that it's listening to itself and when it when it does that it starts fixing itself it starts optimizing itself it starts repairing the scars and the things that are out of balance mm. <clears throat> i went through it for a week you did it i did it mm. got completely rid of of my um ptsd look look at my tremors mm. i mean I, I have them a little bit but i had them a lot wow so i mean that's to me it was i was changed man when i come out and so it had been when I went through it 47 years since I was in Vietnam, I finally came home. Hmm. Wow. Well, not to make light of that or, or, or diminish that, but I, you, as you were fleecing me on the golf course yesterday, I really wish you would have had some more. I mean, I'm glad you're healed, but yeah. I needed some more tremors yesterday on the uh, on those putts. Well, you know. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't There's say a right it. side Don't and a wrong it. side on everything. Don't say it. Let's talk about GoDaddy. Um, it's interesting because the guy who does Blake Irving still run GoDaddy? Yes, he does. Yeah, he's a big cyclist. Yes, he's he not, is. Yeah, he's got all the you know, GoDaddy kits, the jersey, the shorts, the whole, mm -hmm. the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, I think he's been riding with you up in Colorado we've, a time or two. We've ridden in Aspen a time or two. Sure, he's strong. Yeah, um, and you've helped us on some other. You've helped us on We Do and, and a few things and. But you guys have really, you know, this idea that you, that, that you know, I, it was probably confusing to a lot of people, like what the hell GoDaddy does until, you know, you did a better job explaining it. But obviously you came, and when was the first Super Bowl controversy? 2000, 2005. And five, with Correct. the wardrobe malfunction. Exactly. Yeah. Because the real, war, or the actual wardrobe malfunction was the year before. With, 2004. Right. Which is guys. why why all of a sudden, because of all the blowback from that incident, the uh, Standards and Practices Committee for Fox, which had the Super Bowl in 05, mm. I don't really know who had it in 04, but uh, they really tightened down because, uh, you know, because of the FCC and so forth. A lot of interest about that. Right. And so, so we did we did our first commercial. And our first commercial was a uh, spoof or a parody of that incident. And it just was a young girl who was in front of the censorship committee. And she was, you know, they're going, young lady, what are you going to do? And she goes, well, I could do something like this. And her uh, tank top strap snaps. Yeah. And, you know, the rest is, is whatever happened. Right. But anyhow, at, at, at the end of the day, that commercial and the fact that it ran once and then it was pulled for the second time, didn't run, never happened before, mm. right? 
we took and um, uh, had uh, when 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 the thing was pulled, it generated so much controversy that we were covered. GoDaddy was covered on every news show, every entertainment show, every newspaper, every radio show. Our market share went from 16% worldwide to 25% in a week and held. That ad is still taught is taught now in every college advertising class. Hmm. Oh, and, not bad. And who was there was an agency on that? Ad. It was. It was called the Ad Store. It was owned by a friend of mine named Paul Capelli out of New York City. Huh. And and they had done an ad that was a little naughty for uh, Mike's Hard Limeade and I had seen it you know where uh, there, there's a, a, a guy he's got a, a Mike's Hard Limeade he's sitting at the end of next to the end of a bar and I got three ladies at the end of the bar very attractive and they're looking at him he's got a few drops in it and rather than tilting the bottle all the way up he sticks his 12 inch tongue in and laps up the bottom the few drops with his tongue and the bartender says lady what do you have Ladies, what do you have? And she point. They all point to him, and they go, "We like one of those." <laughs> so I said, "Outstanding!" You know, I need something like that that's going to work, where people are, you know, they're doing all sorts of things, yeah. and it's got to be something unexpected that they're going to want to talk about. Right. It just so happens that we did that, but we did it because the network Fox Sports decided to censor it. Yep. And so, I mean, when they, when they, when they. <clears throat> create the concept or they create the, the the story of the ad i mean obviously the buck stopped with you you saw that and i mean you, you could have said this is great or this is terrible or this we can't do this and you know you immediately were i'm assuming knowing you the i pushed them every step of the way yeah, brother because at first they didn't yeah. want to do it right they wanted to do something a little more mainstream yeah but a little more mainstream means you know the more in advertising if you wanted to work really want it to work and you want it to go viral and you want it to catch on, it's got to be a bit outrageous. Yeah. It's got to be a little unsettling. It's got to be a little inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be something people want to talk about. Right. What did a Super Bowl ad cost in 2004? Oh, I don't know. A couple but million dollars. Do 2.2 do million. 2 and now they're million. $5 million? You know, I don't know. I don't buy them anymore, but I know the prices went up considerably. Yeah. And it, and it, the deal is now you buy two and you also buy additional advertising on the network. So it's not for the faint of heart. No, that's legit. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about Danica Patrick because I'm, I'm a huge NASCAR fan. And I know you spent a lot of – you were with her before, before NASCAR. You were at least – it seems you supported her teams during Indy or no. Well, no. Okay. Yeah. During Indy I did. Yeah. When she raised Indy mm -hmm. and then she makes the move to NASCAR and you yeah. guys go with her. Well, she used to be when she debuted, she was with the Ray Hall Letterman team. Mm. And that's during her first year when she was a rookie, where she actually led the Indy 500 for a number of laps. Yep. And you know, here you got all these guys racing. You got this young girl, Right, who is uh, leading the Indy Five could maybe win it, you know, or never nothing had ever happened like that before. And to top it off, she was smoking hot, beautiful. Uh, so she's good looking. 
Yes, she is, yeah. and and she got a personality. Yeah, and she's, a she's crazy though, right? Handshake the she's, mess. She's tough. She's tough. Yeah, like, you can always like tell. Really tough. Now I'm I'm going to tell you there's there's a way you can spot any guy that has given her grief. Okay, because he'll be wearing uh, he'll be wearing his balls for earmuffs. <laughs> yeah, I've I've I got plenty of buddies that drive NASCAR. They say she doesn't hold back. No, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah. no. So she's something. And so then when she makes the leap, and I'm interested just because I'm, I'm I'm just curious in general about NASCAR and the state of NASCAR, which isn't what we're here to talk about, but obviously when she went. You know, well, now back up. I mean, NASCAR is sort of the highest level of car racing in America. Um, so she goes to the highest level. You guys go with. That's a smart deal. I like net net for GoDaddy. That was a. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was. We did. Uh, we did pretty good. Certainly, a lot more eyes. Mm. Um, the uh, people that watch NASCAR, the fans mm. are more loyal. It is. Uh, good crowd and definitely the type of crowd that go to any markets too. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't the other interesting, and I talk a lot on this podcast about Iowa. I love Iowa. Yeah. And I do, and I'll t- I love it because I go every summer to do a big bike ride in Iowa. Ragbri. Ragbri. Have you, have you ever done, have you ever done a day of Ragbri? I haven't done a day of riding a bicycle. Okay. <laughs> I, I ride motorcycles. Motorcycle. I knew that was coming. There you go. But I go every summer for Ragbri, so I have this this soft spot in my heart for Iowa and the people of Iowa and the event and um and I know your first you you let's not call it a fortune, but your first big success came from a company that you that you had in Iowa. Exactly, parts of technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love man. I love I love Iowa. Maybe you should come. You could bring your Harley. You could do. You could ride along in Ragbri with me as I ride my bike. You know what? I'll just soon lay down and let somebody drive a nail in me. But, uh, you know, I'll think about it. Oh, shit. Um, have you ever considered writing a book? Or have you written a book? No. No. You haven't, but have you considered? No. Well, I've, you know, I'm just finishing a book, right? I've been, I've been on it now for about uh, two years, but I'm reading it. <laughs> what do you mean? You're, you're review- editing it? Reviewing it? What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> took me two years to read it <laughs> so i don't know that i'm going to be writing any book anytime i think soon. you should write a book yeah no nah, i don't think so but anyhow that's just not what i do i don't know man i think you've got a lot of yeah I'm, I'm 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 teasing you about reading the book but i mean the fact is you know i i hear that all the time you know you ought to write a book you ought to talk about vietnam getting going to business doing this doing that and so forth but i just uh it's just one of these things that i have no interest in yep and the reason I don't is I think, you know, it's, well, it's, it's just, I, I, right now, I'm, the extra time that I have is, is between midnight and Reveille, and I kind of cherish that time, a little jealous of it, yeah. so I'm going to keep yeah. that going. And because there was so much of, and I'm looking at, I don't have your Wi-Fi password here in your house, but uh, but I have- <laughs> that's, pa- that's good, Lance. I, yeah, I have page one of it, so, and I saw this pop up a few times. There was, there was, this came up in a- Golf.com article. This particular article I'm looking at is from a Forbes article, and it's GoDaddy billionaire Bob Parsons' seven tips for entrepreneurs. Is that a real thing? Because it appeared twice. Yes. So you got this down. Like that's yeah, the shit. Exactly. I mean, I, shit I, I do a lot of I do a lot of public speaking. Right. So that's how to succeed in business, how to get started in business, how I got started, things you should do. Yep. 
that sort of thing. So I love doing it. I'm happy to help out. And I you just, got it down pat, the seven. More or less. Always yeah. hustle. Survival instincts required. Be ready to fail. All that. Yeah. All that stuff. And that's what you go around talking about. I mean, that that to me, that's you could have a lot of young, hungry entrepreneurs that would want to would want to read that book. Well, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But you know, I also know that that when I got going in my business and so forth, that tequila's pretty good in it, Lance. So for the listener, uh, <laughs> did you hear that? Yeah. So we, uh, <laughs> I, I brought over a little road soda because it it is almost seven o'clock at night here in Hawaii. So, um, and and. Bob asked me what I was drinking. I said I was having a Tito's and soda. Um, and he went and made himself a drink, which was this fancy tequila drink. And um, Not a fancy tequila drink. It, uh, it's just a it's nice, an expensive drink. tequila drink. And I said, I'd, I'd, I'll try one of those. And so, yeah, it's great. Good. I'm it's, glad you like it. It seems yeah. to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I, I want to talk about, well, I want to talk about a few more things, but I want to, and I, there's no particular order here. I want to I want to talk about golf because you and I have a real shared love of golf. We talked about our match yesterday that you that you got me on. But your obsession with golf is not what most people consider would wouldn't be normal, right? You've you've and I'm interested in this because I'm curious about the 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 state of the business, the state of the game as you know as it comes to participants. Because I I watch golf. You see. Now you have these characters in golf that are at the athletes that are huge athletes now, but then you hear a troubling stat that you know every day in America a golf course closes. Yet, and then you 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 read that or you you hear that Nike stops making golf equipment. You hear that Adidas wants to offload TaylorMade. So you hear all these things, and yet you lean in on the game. Exactly right. That's. Not what most people, if anybody, is doing. Well, but it was exactly the right time to do it for us. Mm. And the the reason is, if you're going to enter a market and you're going to do something that has never been done before, you couldn't find a better time to do it than when the market is depressed. Mm. Because what happens is, if the market's depressed as opposed to booming, Everybody hears about what you're doing, and what you're doing is then news, and it gets everybody's attention, which is exactly what my company, PXG, or Parsons Extreme Golf, did. Yep. So we, we entered that business a number of years ago and decided that what we would do is we would make golf equipment without any budget. So our engineers would be given free reign to make um, – golf clubs as good as they could using whatever materials they needed, whatever time they needed, whatever process they needed. And there you go with the only caveat that they had to be absolutely outstanding when it came to performance and aesthetics. And we did it. Right. You did do it, but 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 with this, let's, Let's talk about PXG. I play with, with your clubs, as you know, and uh, a lot of people know. But would you do that if you were in Iowa having just sold Parsons Technologies with you know, just $64 million and not $3 billion? Well, if, if, I mean, I had, if I had the idea back then, yeah, I would yeah. have. 
Because you you're that bullish that the technology, the the equipment that comes out of that, and the potential market is there. Yeah. Now I I can tell you, um, uh, being in the situation that I'm in recently, where I had a few billion dollars where I could bankroll this with, you know, whether it made it or it didn't, this is a no, you know, a big impact to me. Right. Uh, well, it's it's a lot easier to do it, and I, I know that's your point. Right. Uh, so the answer to that is, well, well, definitely you're right. But if I had that idea back then, it would have gelled back then just as much. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I've, I've heard that it's, it's interesting to hear you tell the story about the unlimited budget behind the design and, and, the, and the materials and the people. Right? Exactly. Because you need, you know, if I were doing it, I would go, I would go find the smartest guy in the room to, 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 if I was designing a bike i would want the best bike designer in the world on my team which is what you did exactly right and then you give that person the resources to go make it happen right and and every one of them i mean you know it wasn't just one it was several Hmm. and they all said that what you're letting us do is our dream oh for sure how could it not be and they made it happen yeah yeah and so I want to know, and we, we we started to talk about this yesterday, and I stopped you because I want to I want to talk about it now. But for the people listening at home that are not golf fans and don't play golf and don't know the the, the back you know the backstories in golf, Nike, who's obviously one of the biggest sports companies in the world, uh, was in the golf business for quite a few for quite a few years. Exactly, just left the business except for apparel, uh, footwear, and gloves or you know whatever which which is everything that it does right 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 and the clubs which was always the knock is they could just couldn't make they couldn't make clubs although they tried so these guys all get freed up whether it's tiger woods or rory or now jason day or or um i want to know i mean what would these guys have gone through testing new product right so they can now freed up to play whatever they want to play obviously PXG was at the top of their list. Well, you know, for for some of them, yeah. Um, but I can tell you that I never talked to I never talked to Jason Day. Mm. I never talked to Rory, and I never talked to Tiger. Um, but what I did talk to, I talked I talked to the magazines who called and asked me questions, and you know they asked me questions like. Well, Bob, uh, would you sign Rory? Would you sign Jason Day? Would you sign Tiger? Now, when they asked me if I would sign Rory and Jason, I said, you know, these guys are, you know, pretty good sticks and they're doing well. You know, maybe, I don't know, would depend on the deal. And then for Tiger, they asked me if I would sign Tiger. And then we, here's, here's what happened. I said, well, without a doubt, no one has ever done as much for the game as Tiger has. I mean, his success was a real boon to the whole golfing industry. And I, I said that, that uh, Tiger was, was without a doubt one of the most spectacular golfers ever to watch. But I said, they said, would you sign him? I said, I don't know because he hadn't been out publicly playing for a year and a half or more. I said, I don't know that his game was what it once was. 
And what happened was when that that's a fair statement, but I, I know tiger, it got back to Tiger. Tiger wasn't too happy with that. So you know, my name was Mud, and then uh, in his eyes, he was not going to play our equipment no matter what. Which is which is fine. It's he his, didn't test it. It, it, it is his. He tested to the best every, of my knowledge. He tested yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, I heard he signed with Bridgestone, which is God bless, God bless him, and God bless them. And um, but certainly not ours. So anyhow, that's what happened with Nike. Now Nike pulling out of that business because they had an infinitesimal percentage of the equipment market had no impact on us. Right. Nike sold to the absolute bottom of the market. We sell to the very top of the market. Yep. No impact. Because a set of PXG clubs, if you go from irons to the to the woods to the putter, is, is a is a five thousand dollar five, six thousand dollars. Five or six. Yeah. And and if you bought a nice if you bought the new Taylor made M twos, that would be which is a nice set of clubs. A lot less. Half? More. More than th- more than half. A few wow. thousand at most. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, when you were telling the Tiger story, I mean, I can just imagine you try to be diplomatic. Say, listen, I don't know if he's going to make it back to the same. By the way, everybody thought that. I, I thought. I mean, <laughs> yeah. People still think that. I know. Like, I know. Of course, that's that's a that, that that's what people do. They sit around and speculate on this shit, and then the media takes it. I don't know if this happened or not, but then the headline is Tiger sucks, or you know, or something to that effect. Well, where, no, well, I, I I never said that. That was never the headline, right? But, I mean, it was it was. I don't know that his game now is what it once was. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah, and that was not what he's ready to hear. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Shoot I don't know. The, shoot the messenger. Yeah, and I don't think you care. I don't think you care. Oh, you figured that out. You know, if 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 it is tequila, I certainly don't care. <laughs> uh, before I forget, I I have to I have to. Uh, I'm gonna have I want to ask one more golf question, but I w- since we were on the golf course yesterday, I've heard every fart joke, story, riddle, uh, everything, every every fart related thing ever in my life until yesterday. When you said to me, I don't know, I don't even remember what we were talking about. And you said, Armstrong, you better not want to win. A, or what did you say? You better. You want me not- to tell you? Let me quote it. Okay. It, it had to do with hitting a putt and not being afraid to run all the way by it. That's right. right. A lot of people get a little timid. And, and just the, lag it the, up the saying is, as crass as it is, is you can't win a farting contest unless you're willing to shit in your pants. <laughs> Just, I think that's maybe tip or uh, you know entrepreneur tip number eight. <laughs> there you go. But it's it it, it it's kind of gross, but it really kind of makes a lot of sense. Well, I think about it a lot when I uh, when I putt. <laughs> so then you buy you buy the Scots Club of or the uh, Scots Club the Golf Club of Scottsdale. I think that's what it was called before. Right, the Golf Club of Scottsdale. There was no the name in it. Scottsdale yeah. National. A very very good friend of mine, Doug Bowden. Um, Dougie B, who you probably know, he's a member of yours. I think he was a member there before and is still a member. I played your course many times uh, with him and his son. Uh, and he, he tells this story of how when you buy the club, and this to me is just fucking mind-boggling, you buy the club, and then you proceed to send a letter to the existing members, because you basically you buy them too. You've got their 
You have them as exactly. your Exactly, right. And so you send, and I'm probably getting this wrong, tell me if I am, you send out a letter saying, okay, guys, I'm the new owner, and here's the new rules. And if you don't like it, I'll buy you out. I think that's right, right? Pretty close to it, yeah. That- but the rules were that you had laid out were so extreme that most of those guys said, I want the buyout. Well, a lot of them did. Yeah. You know, that letter is, I, I have received comments from it. I would love. From the to Netherlands, see, I would love from to Finland, see the, I would love from to see the Vietnam. I want the letter. A lot of guys who are um, club managers say, I keep it on my wall. It's my now, it's my job description. Mm. And basically, I said this. I said, the members who use the club the most support it the least. This will not continue. Right. And so I limited the number of times people could play the club. Even members. It's what Even, you, it's well, what you well, 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 they were all, you can't play the club unless you're a member. And so I, I, I limited that. And I, I also said that if you want to leave the club, and you don't like this, and this was this is like four years ago, mm-hmm. where people had spent one hundred fifty, hundred seventy five thousand to join this golf club years ago. That didn't go to me; went to somebody else. I said, "Whatever you paid to join the club, I'll give it back to you." Mm-hmm. No other club in the world would do that to them. Right. With them, I'll give it back to you. Not only then in thirty days. And so I had a lot of people leave. Now, I can also tell you that the people that stayed, compared to the people that left, people that left wish they'd be back now. Right. But they're banned. They can never come back. Never. Never. You can never come back. But. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) But when you, right, I could, and, and I could see you sending a letter saying, you know, most clubs do do this. Like a, a guest can only play once a month or five times a year or some, some number. Um, but to, to, to tell a member that you can, you know, but you didn't live up to that. That was all bullshit. But you you said you, when you sent the letter out saying you, you can't use it that much. Those guys wanted to tap out. They got their money back. And then you told the guys that stayed, I think I think this is right. You told the guys that stayed, said, ah, I was just kind of kidding about that. You can play as much as you want. Exactly. Right. I so did. You, right. That was a good test. I love it. Exactly right. And the ones that stayed are the ones that I wanted. The ones that left, fine. You know, uh, there was a couple in, in, in Beverly Hills, two couples sitting at a tabletop in one of the restaurants, and one of the couples stayed, one of the couples left. And, and, um, this is this is like not too long ago. This is a true story. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And so a friend of mine goes over and he's talking to him, and he talks to the guy that left, and he goes, "Well, why'd you leave the club?" And his wife pipes up, piped up and goes, "Cause he's an asshole." <laughs> wow, I love. It. I mean, it, it says it all. I laugh, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I was interested in a core group of people mm. that really wanted to support the club and they're, they're, they're going to go along for the ride that I got prepared. Yeah. And now you've built a second 18 holes. You built the, the, apparently this nine hole, uh, par three course is just 
ridiculous. Exactly, it is. Yeah, yeah. So it is. It is what what we've done is we built eighteen holes, which is we call it the other course, and the other course is um, um, it is continuous. It's not desert golf. It's almost links type golf in a mm. way that goes from the grass runs from T one all the way through to T eighteen. You can play it in your bare feet. Hmm. Um, and so, so and, and the views and- are exceptional the way every hole is framed with the desert and so forth. And it is just people to play and say, I've never played anything this stunning. Now keep in mind on the property, there's no houses. We're surrounded with 40,000 acres of government set aside. Uh, so, you know, you go there and it's like, it's just you in the desert. And only, but it's not desert, not on the other course. It's all, all this continuous grass. Hmm. Um, and then we have the Bad Little Nine, which is our par three course, which is nine of the most difficult par three holes you'd ever want to play. Unique Everybody holes. They're not, they're not modeled after famous par threes. No, unique, yeah. no it's just nine, hole, nine holes that we made, the architects made really tough and really deviling and you know you, you you scratch your head and think well how are people going to you know re- respond to this and what happens is our members absolutely love it yeah yeah no, it's, a, it's a beautiful course you like arizona i do you do you speak about it you love it i would i would you don't you're not there in the summer though you know it is as much as i can be i am Ugh. like two million degrees that's okay. You know, state of mind, Lance. You know, the Marine Corps the Marine Corps taught me when it's hot, you just gotta learn how to think cool. When it's cold, think warm. And I asked him once, I said, why, why, why do you do that? They go, it's all we got. Yeah. Wow. That's a good life lesson right there. Tell me about the your foundation. I wanna I wanna talk about this and I wanna talk about the giving pledge, because I've seen that mentioned a few times and it's uh, I think I think that's amazing i don't think and if that's if you plan on fulfilling that pledge you're not getting enough credit for that 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 is an amazing commitment well thank you yeah yeah well what a giving pledge i had always intended and my wife had always intended that when we move on everything we have goes to charity Mm. Uh, everything huh no i mean almost everything no, pretty much everything. Wow. Now, you know, we have, um, you know, I got my kids and grandkids, and, you know, we I plan to leave them enough to do something, not enough to do nothing. Mm. And uh, uh, beyond that, they would, uh, you know, you know every, the rest would go to charity. Mm. And my wife is, she's on board with that, and that's, I mean, that's what we'll do. But the the giving pledge says you agree for half of whatever you you have when 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 you leave the planet, uh, or or when when you know you leave this side of the earth that uh, will go to charity. Yeah. Well, it's easy for us yeah. because we're you know we're going to do much more than that anyhow. Right. Yeah. And you have Warren Buffett. In, in- Warren Buffett's made, you know, are, is part of the giving pledge. Bill and Melinda Gates. I mean, these right. these are. Imagine the. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I, I want you to know, even though they both signed it, and you know, they started, they don't exactly come over and play gin rummy with us. 
Uh, but uh, that, do- that doesn't surprise me. No, yeah. but uh, you know, you know, I I respect everything that that they've done and yeah. you know that they've created and you know they're they're certainly good role models. I, I think I I don't think you get credit for that. I'm just gonna. I mean, I'm just it's just you and me talking, a bunch of people listening. But I I don't I think I found that. But you you look you up on the internet, which I don't know if you do or not. But you you know they that people love to talk about the the ads. They love to talk about whatever you know hunting all these things but that to me is that's a think about that that's that's a that's more than a billion dollars well you can do a lot of good with a billion dollars well anyhow you know i i I didn't do it you know i I, you know we didn't do it for that reason yeah and whether we get credit for it or not you know it's you know that's not why we did it i mean you know we don't care well you're getting i'm giving you credit thank you brother i'm giving you credit Okay, before we split and you go, we go to dinner and head on our way. I want to rematch, by the way. Um, I know you're going to the inauguration for our new president. I'm a deplorable Lance. And and I I uh, I, I want to. This one's tough to talk about. <laughs> you know, you know, people get so bent out of shape. I mean, it it's is, amazing. You know, yeah, I it mean, is. just absolutely nuts. You know, we had the recounts and. And then we had the press of the electors and all that. I've but, not had know. anybody. Just for the record, I've not. I don't think, at least, that I've had. I don't. I wasn't in the booth with anybody, but I haven't had anybody on this podcast that that voted for Donald Trump. Well, you know what? We broke that record, brother. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, it. it uh, were you always because you, you had nineteen choices in the beginning on the Republican side? I did. Was that always your horse? Well, he was the guy that always resonated with me, As and he was guy. he was the guy that had an eye, you know, so so you know, certain thoughts and certain ideas of what he was going to do, and and you know, elections being elections, you know, everybody dug up whatever they could, you know, out of his past and embellished it and magnified it and on and on and on. But what happened was, um, you know, he was the only guy that actually said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to turn things around, I'm going to appoint people in these particular cabinet positions to do uh, so forth. They're going to be industry leaders, they're going to be really smart people. Everything so far he said he'd do, he's done. Mm. Which is, and, and you know, is is almost unheard of in politics. He gets no credit for it. But here's what I think is going to happen. First of all, I am my my number one interest is for the for the our America to be as magnificent as it can be. You know, I I did everything I could to see that it got there. You know, I mean, I carried a rifle in Vietnam, and and you know, I mean, in I got blown up. I mean, I seen shit nobody should ever see. Right, you're a patriot. And, you're and, a patriot. And I did it for the country. Mm. And I think that when everything is all said and done, he's going to be one of the best presidents we've ever had. That's a huge statement. Now, maybe huge. that won't happen, right. but I believe it will. I mean, that's 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 an um, yeah, yeah, and I. <laughs> And I don't want to, because I get a lot of shit. Whenever I talk about politics on this podcast or have a politician on, you wouldn't believe the amount of grief that I get, or which I don't really care. Uh, I listen to it, but I it uh, you, I can't let that affect me. But those, the, the you know, 
That is a, that's a huge, we're going to see, right? I mean, I, 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 here's a question. Cause you know, the way Hillary supporters or Bernie supporters or Democrats in this country woke up and felt that Wednesday morning, you know, you, you know how they felt, right? They, I mean, they were, I understand. Yeah. You had to mop them out of places. They were crying so hard, right? Would you, let's assume or say for a second that Hillary wins. Would you have felt that way or would you have been like, no, All right. no, I, I had resolved, um, just before the, the actual election that if Hillary won, I would do whatever I could. I would hold my head up high and I would, I would hope that she would do well for the country. Yep. You know, and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's yeah. all about the country. Yeah. And so, you know, to to go ahead and dig in and say, no, he's not my president, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, that's not the American system. I, w- I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to say that. I know people do say that. But what I was trying to say is these people were so upset and distraught that they feared that, you know, that we were just going to hell in a handbasket that you know that a lot of Republicans would have thought if if Hillary Clinton had won, they would have thought, oh, my God, I'm just doomed. No, you, you know what? Right. Here's, here's the thing I'll tell you. Our forefathers, when they framed the Constitution and they, and, and they framed our government, they put something together that goes on. Hmm. And, you know, whoever's in charge, you know, is going to hold the rudder a little bit. But you got Congress, you got the electorate, you got you got so many checks and balances. You have the Supreme Court that the country is going to be fine, and it can survive uh, questionable leadership for a period of time. And, but I don't believe, you know, as and in that vein, which is the same vein that when Obama became the president, I never voted for him all the time, but when he became president. He had my support. In my mind, he was Mr. President, and I saluted him. Mm. And I'd, I'd have been honored, you know, been honored to be anywhere around him yeah. and wanted him to be successful in his job. And I'd have done the same thing if Hillary was our president. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. Right, right. And I, and I think that's, I mean, fair play to you. I, I think that's what makes you different. I mean, I, I think that, because you can't, and I will make an you know or state an opinion here. I don't think you can have it. You know that obviously you want your guy to win. You want the person you supported to win. But if it doesn't work out, you have to. We are Americans, and we are citizens, and you have to. This idea that you're going to run around and say, "Oh, that's not my," you know, that you can't do that. Well, no. Well, that's not why we have elections. It isn't like okay, you lose the election. Then all of a sudden you you know you go to Canada or you do whatever and, you know and all the people said they're going to go to Canada I noticed they're all still here yeah. uh, <laughs> I will point that out and you know what thank God they're still here yeah. right because you know this is America we all have the right to disagree now you know I can tell you from from my standpoint the only thing I'm interested in is the country and the people and that everybody does well. And I just have different ideas of what's going to get that done than a lot of the populace. But I hope that the people that are upset by this, that the way the new government works, 
is going to swing them over. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. And uh, I, I told you, because, you know, there were people that were around me that were so upset about this thing. And I, I just, look, I mean, it's just like, no matter how good you think it's going to be, it's never that good. No matter how bad you think it's going to be, it's never that bad. Like, it's it's somewhere right in the middle. You know, my mother always told me that, Lance. My mother always said, nothing's as good as it seems, and nothing's as bad as it seems. Well, let me tell you, Bob, you don't know me that well, but the last four years of our lives, it's, it's been interesting. And, uh, and that's right. You know, it was when I look back on those crazy good years, they were good. They weren't, they weren't great. What, when I, and then I look back on what most people would probably view as terrible years. They weren't that bad. There you go. So it's just right down the middle. Or as, or as, or as average as you can make it. So. You got it. All right. Yeah. I want my rematch. Oh, you got it. Brother. You got it. You know, you know, one thing I'm going to say is, you know, the first time I really spent any time talking to you was after you did your deal with Oprah. Mm-hmm. And I talked to you up at uh, Nanea yeah, a little yeah. bit. And I'm going to tell you again, you know, you did a great job there. Mm. And you did a wonderful job. And uh, when, I, when I seen you, I, I think I'll let you know that. You did. And um, so. It was, it was an interesting uh, few months, you know. Yeah. But uh, here we are. And, you know, my kids are happy and healthy. And, and uh, look, we're on a podcast called The Forward. That my life is about going forward. And so uh, I appreciate your support. I appreciate you saying that back then. I appreciate you continuing to be a friend. I, pr- I appreciate um, hanging with you. So, And I appreciate you being on the show. All right. I might not, uh, you're going to get that rematch. <laughs> yeah, soon. You got it. Thanks, brother. Thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like, uh, like I said at the top of the show, if you have anything you want to say, if you have a suggestion, please, God knows I need suggestions, um, or questions, or concerns, or criticisms, or whatever, let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. The forward podcast at we do w-e-d-u sport singular dot com the forward podcast at we do sport dot com